What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Test. Okay. Hello and welcome to the 2022 season of Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast and the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. I'm Ben and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Drew. Thanks Ben. Each episode we will sample craft beers, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or listen to each episode on wannabewalkons.com. On this week's episode, Ben and I react to the Rutgers game, preview Nebraska's matchup against Purdue, sample beer from Syracuse, Nebraska's Rock Hopper Brewing Company, and sample this week's Sportsman Sip from Three Floyds Brewing in Munster, Indiana. I'm Drew. And I'm Ben. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. Drew, I got to let our listeners know that they didn't get to see what I just saw, which was pure professionalism. When you ran into not one, but two typos <laughs> on the outline I provided you where I said the, the, and you just jumped over both of them. I was, didn't yeah. even, didn't even flinch, didn't even have a moment of, and you didn't call me out, which I appreciate as well. But <laughs> In I'm, my mind, I was saying terrible things. Oh man, I saw it. I uh, saw yeah. it from a mile away, even though I'm sitting three feet away. Was, <laughs> three feet. That sounds a little close. It's like four, four feet. Yeah. yeah, people sh- shouldn't think that we're this close. <laughs> Sitting in Ben's lap. Yeah. We share a microphone. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it has been a weekend of football, to say the least. Capped off by Nebraska winning on a Friday. So Saturday was like stress-free. It was a freebie Just day. free to enjoy the chaos yeah. that was college football. The chaos of a 49 to nothing Texas over Oklahoma oh, win. Oh, man. Yeah. I've got a, um, a guy I work with who is from Oklahoma, and he's a big Oklahoma fan. He was kind enough not to talk too much shit when they stomped us. Yeah. Um, and But he's also, he's a very realistic fan. And so, like, once they got beat um, big the next week... And then leading into their next couple games, like he he was really worried, and I tried to, um, you know, I, to reciprocate his kindness, and I was trying to build him back up. You know, Oklahoma man, like they, you know, they they started off okay, you know, when their offense is clicking, they could be good. Trying to build him up, and man, I don't know, he's gonna be he's gonna be one <laughs> sad little man uh, coming into work uh, in the next couple of days here. So I did take great pride. We had a preseason debate over whether or not Oklahoma would be a good Ooh, team this yeah. year. Yeah, and we were both right. You said Oklahoma would beat Nebraska handily. Yeah, and I said, but I don't think they're going to be a good for, team this year. Yeah, for different and reasons. So I we thought. were, we were both, we both kind of nailed that. 
Now, I said that I think Oklahoma was going to be like a 9-3 and three team, so who knows? Maybe they turn this thing around, or maybe we just get to revel. Watch the fucking empire just crumble. Just that, yeah. just that gif of the boomer sooner. Uh, the wagon. Wagon just, <laughs> just, spilling. just, just spilling over. <laughs> They've got Kansas next week, I think. So oh, please. Coming off a tough loss. Please, to the football gods, Yes, just let Kansas... Run, run, train through them. That would be great. Big Jayhawk fan over here for, for so, next week. Speaking of Kansas, this this yeah. might be a good segue into something we haven't really talked a whole lot about is maybe coaching potentials. Mm-hmm. You know, when when the news first broke about Scott Frost uh, being removed as head coach from Nebraska, I asked you if you had anyone in mind. You're like, nah, not really. And yep. I was like, okay, well then I guess this conversation's <laughs> over. Now that we're a little bit more into it, is there anyone around college football that you see as a really nice suitor, someone that you're looking forward to. Are you in Camp Mickey? Where do you fall on that? I'm in Camp Mickey. Yeah. Just because he's our coach right now. And I think you're seeing uh all of the the lead guys um that the public goes on about have all, you know, taken some lumps and losses and kind of jockeyed, I guess, in in public opinion for that lead spot. And so I'm fine with just rooting for the guy that we have right now. Um who's very he's a very likable coach um and he his just his personality even if he wasn't successful his personality and his coaching style fit in with kind of what I like from a coach mm-hmm. and so that and then for him to back that up with success winning football games um is a nice little cherry on top what i really like about mickey and i'm i'm actually in the same boat as you i'm it's i'm turning a cruise ship in my opinion right i was mm-hmm. team aranda for a very long time and although I wouldn't be disappointed by a hire like an Aranda, the way that Mickey is leading through action and almost backing it up with words, you know what I mean? He's like, he's like showing us what he's accomplishing. And then he's saying, here's how I did it as opposed to here's what I'm doing. And then here's the results. Yeah. It's kind of this reverse where we're getting to see the success of a head coach who is devoted to these players, devoted to their development, devoted to them growing and not, uh, not afraid to, really look at himself and say, here's where we need improvement, even if that's a humbling answer. So I, I'm also Team Mickey. I, I'm really enjoying riding this roller coaster of, you know, playing with house money this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel like house money. <laughs> <laughs> On Friday at 9 o'clock at night, and my son keeps asking, are we winning yet? And I have to <laughs> I have to say, Hold, I'm, Rutgers is a tough team. And... <laughs> And then I have other people watching the game who go, I really like Rutgers uniforms. They look really nice. It's like, you can just quit, quit complimenting Rutgers right now. Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> but I, I really have enjoyed how not only has, has Mickey responded in this situation and really taken advantage of this opportunity, and I think that he's going to have an opportunity to be a head coach next season one way or another, right? There's, there's a school out there who's looking at this going, man, that's a guy that we need. And... I'm even sold on him with this trajectory, getting to build his own staff, getting to put guys together who he feels fits the system he wants to run and really seeing what he can evolve to because, man, do these players play for him. They really do. They One of the things we talked about when um, Eric Chenander was fired mid, mid-recording mid <laughs> um, was about how Chenander's defenses could improve over a season or season to season, but not in a game. And um, his his defense... Uh, Bush's defense under Mickey Joseph has improved over the course of a game. Yeah. You know, flipping a switch at halftime in two games. So 
Um, he's he's shown, yeah, the propensity to to put put the right coaches in the right spots. Because um, they they promoted from within too, not just to the yeah. coordinator position, but you know bringing in guys for the special teams and to fill backfill those positions. Um, but putting the right players in too, um, you know, because you're watching young guys like Hartsog grow up before your eyes. Oh man. Um, or like the old guys that came in late, like Brandon Moore, you know, getting put in tough situations, or yeah. uh, uh, Clements in the linebacker spot, you yep. know, jumping in. So, yeah, I think I think we're seeing a lot of really really good things. It's it's really amazing what happens when you see a program where people are held accountable, and how people then respond to that. You know, when you're talking about making adjustments at half, it's like, well, Mickey's going to hold you accountable for these mistakes if they keep happening. So we better fix them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mickey's not afraid. He's got he's got nothing to lose this season. So he may not be afraid to lose you if it's going to mean, you know, the next guy up is going to have success or the team's going to have better success or something. Like it's it's 100 percent about the team. Yeah. You know, and he's still amazingly juggling the fact that he's so focused on these individuals, the, the, the wide open door policy, the fact that he's complimenting these other guys who I mean, it's just. Well, yeah, everything feels right. Everything yeah. feels like he's doing everything he should be doing, that the decision making is quality. And that the results really don't matter, but the results have been exactly what we've dreamed they could be. Just, I mean, for these two games. Yeah, the accountability is coming from a place of, like, he, he believes in these players. Oh, yeah. Um, he, and he's drawing the best out of them. Um, it's not, you know, play, play rider gets your, your butt benched. Um, you know, he's not coaching up fearfully. Um, and that was something that was preached for a very long time. Yep. You know, the past five years, no, you know, no fear of failure. Um, but this is what it no fear failure looks like yeah. when you actually know how to operate. Sure. So, yeah. But so that's my answer. Mickey. <laughs> Can't Mickey. Mine too. Hey, yeah, look at us. Right. Best friends. Same answers. <laughs> how about we talk about some beer and then we talk about some Rutgers. Absolutely. All right. Well, in front of us, we have some beer from Rock Hopper out of Syracuse, Nebraska. This is a brewery I've never had before. And I believe this is also a first time for Same. you as well. Yeah. Always, always fun experiencing a first time with you. So let me tell you a little bit about Rock Hopper, and then we'll talk about this beer that we have in front of us. So in 2013, family physician Ben Beal received a home brewer kit for Christmas from his wife, Katie. Ben quickly took to brewing beer, and his interest in studying the science and art of crafting beer grew and grew. Ben began with a completely reasonable small kettle in his kitchen. The kettle evolved into a larger setup in his garage, and then ultimately grew into the inevitable brewery built in his backyard. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the thing of if you build it, they will drink it. In 2019, the Beals were approached by Champions Run Golf Course in Omaha to be their exclusive craft beer brewer. It was in this request that Rock Hopper was born. In March of 2020, three days before the COVID shutdown, Rock Hopper purchased a building in Syracuse, Nebraska on their main street. The building dated back to the 1800s and had previously given life to the local opera house where plays, medicine exhibitions, political rallies, and even basketball tournaments took place. Immediately prior to the Beals' ownership, the space served as the local pharmacy. So a little had changed, you know. You go get your, your medication, now you go and get your medication. <laughs> After a long journey spanning across a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic, the tap room, which over time evolved actually into a 140-person bar and a restaurant, opened its doors. In the local Syracuse paper, the Journal Democrat, Katie Beal was quoted saying, quote, Rock Hopper's focus will be on offering ice cold Rock Hopper beers, 13 on tap, wine, cocktails, fantastic food, and great customer service. We've hired bartenders and a chef. It's a really fun group of people that are really excited about the vision Ben and I have for Rock Hopper. They are all driven to give our guests the best experience possible. 
And that is an ever so brief history on Rockhopper Brewing Company in Syracuse, Nebraska. Today, we are actually sampling their most popular beer. It's called the Hanu Turtle Porter. It is based on the turtle candy, so chocolate, caramel, pecans, and it's got a uh, coffee tinge to it, so it's almost like a Scooter's Turtle Latte. And then they named it after the Hanu, which are the turtles in Hawaii, where they uh, vacationed and traveled to. And so this beer is just kind of a amalgamation of a flavor they love, an experience that meant a lot to them, and it's one that means a lot to the Rock Hopper drinking community. Very cool. Yeah. Um. So Rock Hopper checks all the boxes for for how you know like the the local brew scene. Like started off with the home brew. Somebody bought them a kit. Yep. Uh, opened the the thing. Um. You know, very community based. They they get the the building that is has historic significance. And, um, and I should and I should know they didn't know it had that significance as they were tearing down walls. It was almost like years just rewound and they were able to uh, find these neat pieces of history about their community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And then and then it's grown. Um, yeah. You know, in a, in a big way, thir- having 13, you said um, beers on tap. That's Absolutely. a lot. So but this beer, um, the, the thing that jumped out to me about it. So porters are one of my favorite styles because they're um, it's still in the ale category. They're not quite as big and dark and roasty as a stout might be. So you can scale back like the ABV, you can balance it a little more, um, but they still get those chocolate and the, and the coffee notes that you won't necessarily find in like a brown ale where it's a little more nutty or bready. Um, this one is sweet. Yep. That was the first thing that really jumped out to me. So I didn't know it was this this turtle thing that they were basing it on. So that's cool. Um, the Yeah, those chocolatey caramelly notes mm-hmm. come through strong. I really think the coffee finish is there too. Mm-hmm. That's that's ever present. It's that nice bitterness that complements that sweetness, and it's it's a nice balance between a malted bitterness and a little bit of a hop. Like it's a very it's a very slight hoppy bitterness to where it does add a little bit of brightness even at the end. So it cuts through that. You get hit with those caramel notes. Those are really present for me, mm-hmm. and then I get the coffee finish with a little bit of just an, an added bright bitterness, almost like a, a pith of a lemon or something like that. Like if someone squeezed a little lemon in coffee just to give that that jump. Yeah, so really, really fun experience on this one. It's kind of like the roller coaster of this season, right? There's <laughs> there's a lot of flavors along the way, but it's it's pleasant. It makes you want to go back and, and keep sipping on it. Yeah, yeah. I'm enjoying our first experience with Rockhopper. Yeah. Sure. So this is a, a brewery that's turning into kind of that that they're trying to upscale and, and get their beer out there and spread it across more. But their brewery has been so popular in the Syracuse community that they're not actually able to distribute as frequently as they used to. So like the demand wow. within the community is so high right now. <laughs> Those <is> greedy bastards <laughs> keeping it all for themselves. Well, no, you know, I don't let's, blame them. we'll plug a local place that, that I know you and I both go to and that's local. Uh, we went to local in Miller to pick this up. And when I was buying the Crowler, uh, the bartender was like, yeah, you know, you're lucky because this is the only keg we've been able to get for months because wow. they just they, they've been having to keep up with their own demand. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel I was like, oh. I've wanted to get that rock hopper turtle for a long time because I know the, the popularity of it. Uh, and we were just fortunate enough to, to time it out right where it hit on an episode where we only drink one local beer and we have the sportsman sip to follow. So it was just kind of this kismet that we were able to, to land perfect. on this one. Yeah. Well, congrats to rock hopper on that success. That's Absolutely. incredible. Um, yeah. Good, I'm and glad congrats that, to Syracuse for being lucky enough to. I'm glad that family physician found success. That it was. <laughs> No, congrats to Ben and Katie, and that's that's so awesome. It's great beer. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to an opportunity to get out and actually see this brewery have a meal there. Yeah, because you know there's always some goodies that are just brewery only that are hidden there, and you you know 
For sure. You find the barrel aged something or other, the experimental stuff. That's that's the best part of craft beer is finding those those hidden little gems. Yeah. So Rutgers. Again, a hidden little gem. <laughs> Let's talk about this hidden game. Gem. Piscataway, New Jersey. Yeah. So do you have any overall thoughts or, or where do you want to dive in? What do you want to oh, talk man. about? What do you want to chew on on this game? I don't know. So this was obviously a, a wild little ride um, of a game. Friday night. I knew going into it this was going to be a toughie, right? We talked yep. about that. Rutgers and their mentality and their defense um, being really stout traveling across the country it's a short week for you all this stuff you are still transitioning with the new staff in a lot of key places um it felt like overall to me it felt like both teams were working really hard to kind of blow it um and i think <laughs> rutgers just did a little more yeah to give this one away do you think calling two timeouts on the same play <laughs> <laughs> when you need to preserve in your a timeout, critical moment and then fall starting on a fourth and inches yeah it, that one was i have those marked down as uh, my top key moments and then uh and then following that timeout, um that second timeout on the same play Nebraska only gained one yard on third and 11. So, like, Rutgers did their job to get the stop, but then they had, I think it was a late hitter or unsportsmanlike. They had a when 15 they threw yard penalty. Ollie Martin out. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it allowed Nebraska to then go in and burn, like, three minutes off of the clock. You know, Nebraska couldn't couldn't possess it or score to really put things away, but it still, it still completely shortened up how much time Rutgers had. They had no timeouts left. And so, um, yeah, they, like, Rutgers was just making a lot of really just – interesting mistakes yeah um nebraska had a few of their own it was another another game where the penalties were obnoxious oh my gosh i should throw a flag for offensive pass interference <laughs> just for you saying that i've never ever ever heard i've never heard of multiple i don't know if i've i mean maybe like maybe two offensive pass interferences in the game maybe but i don't know whether four or five in this one. it was fucking absurd yeah. and to to be fair they were egregious. On, there there might have been one legitimate one out of the bunch. Yeah. And I know that there was one late that benefited Nebraska in a huge way. Yeah. And there were some early that I think kept Nebraska from getting momentum. Um, and I think Nebraska is the only one who committed a, a, a real offensive pass interference. Well, mm -hmm. maybe there were two because Travis Volkolek did truck a dude. <laughs> <laughs> just streaking down. You're just like, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> Which would have been great oh, if man. he was, you know, within five yards of the line. But yeah. the fact that he's like 15 yards downfield and he was just wanted yeah. to, to Anthony Grant someone. <laughs> oh, yeah. We can talk about that. Oh, offensively, if that's not the play that gets you going. Like, I think that was the the turning point in the game where I went, we're going to be out more physical than they are. Yeah, that's a mentality play. Yeah. You saw, you saw, um, you know, Anthony Grant could have stepped out. He could have, he had the first down. He could have stepped out. The Rutgers defender was <laughs> gladly allowing him to he let up um and grant said nah fuck this and he fucking just you hope the kid's okay right yeah. like that's and your he initial. got up on his own yeah yeah accord but that was a that was a beautiful fucking hit it's, and that was a clean yeah a clean hit it's scary when their hands go edward scissor hands on their way down <laughs> yeah where they just like bing, and then you just, like they freeze in time and that's when uh -huh. it's like and at that point i was really worked up on that game and i was like no this is this he's fine get up you're fine get up and walk it off but man, that's that's one where you go, okay, Anthony Grant is at least here, mm -hmm. and he's going to give everything he can to win this game. And a tough game for him too. Like yeah. the yards were not there for him. He had a lot of carries and not a lot to show for it, um, and not all his fault. And big respect for the coaching staff. Other than Yant, for a few plays, Grant was in 
the whole game running the ball. Yeah. They were going to make him work one way or another. You were going to get us yards, and that's it. You're yeah. our guy. And that's Yeah, that's a great nod to him and saying, hey, we trust you with the ball. We trust you to get the yards you know, and, and earn them every and he, last one of them. He had them. some really nice yards out of the backfield catching balls as the outlet, you know, mm-hmm. as that as that safety net for Casey who needed it because that offensive line just was not giving him a chance. And part of that, I think, is play calling where you need to move the pocket. You need to go more play action, bootleg, get him out there because when he was having those opportunities, Casey's great. He steps up. He makes the throw. But when he's on that collapsing pocket behind that line and he's got to throw off the back foot, man, that's where both, I think, both interceptions happen where, where he's making not a, a, a full stride in his – pass yeah yeah those are those are happening under duress um and and i think a lot of um whipple's play calling is like it requires time you know stuff needs to be able to develop they he loves taking those deep shots getting a tight end down the seam or um getting trey palmer back behind the defense and those are great when they work um and nebraska obviously has made just just enough of them work to win the past couple of games but the when when Casey Thompson can get the ball out quick on like a crossing route like or a quick slant, um, he's incredibly effective at those throws. Yeah, and they don't require time. No, and you get the ball to Trey Palmer, Alante Brown, in Marcus space. Washington in space, and just let them fucking go to work. And and the the speed in which they can cover eight, nine, ten yards and just get a first down, keep the ball moving, and then even protect themselves, get out of bounds. Like I don't need Trey Palmer to lay out like Anthony Grant does. Right, you know, like hey, protect yourself, get the first down, get out of bounds. Yeah. Same thing with Washington. I mean, Washington takes some hits. That guy does not shy away from traffic, and neither yeah. does Trey. Trey makes some good catches in the in traffic as well. But yeah, the 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 crossing routes are like bread and butter for Casey, and I, I think those need to be kind of the mainstay of the offense. That's almost our running game right there, right? Is establish oh, yeah. that, yeah. keep that defensive line honest, and then start to run at them. Yeah. What about? Uh Nebraska's defense. Whoa, 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 we're we're jumping ahead. Are I, we? I have a. I have we got a, more. We got more. I do. I, okay. I have. I have a a hill that I'm willing to die on. Oh boy. Yeah, I know. Buckle up, Buttercup. Logan Smothers needs to play more football. Logan Smothers is an effective weapon that this offense has. The speed in which he can get a defense on its heels. He does have some ball control issues at times where he is prone to fumble because the guy's always trying to make the extra effort. But if you can coach him to, you know, be smart with the ball, go down on first contact or go down when, you know, you're in the scrum, I think that Nebraska could really benefit and the O-line and Casey could benefit from not only getting a, a break in that sense, but also keeping the defense on its heels. I imagine the reason we don't, call that as often is I don't think Whipple is comfortable calling that that kind of a play but what we do have is plenty of film and plenty of resources from the past four years to inject a little bit of that into the play calling and I think the players have that skill set that quarterback run game is is non-existent right now and it just it, it it allows the defense to be super aggressive on an offensive line that's struggling. Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't die on that hill. I'd take a shot. I'd take a wound. Um, I would I, die on that hill. I, I, I've been dying on that I hill like, for weeks. <laughs> I like Logan Smothers, um, but like you said, I don't. Whipple's not. That's not who. That's not his offense. That's not yeah. what he's going to call. And this. And this now is his offense without sure. Frost. Sure. Pressuring him. Yeah. It's 
it's I don't think it's gonna it's just probably not gonna happen. I, I just don't know how much longer Casey Thompson is able to take shots to his shoulder. Not much. And and get back in and go win us a game. Every time he gets fucking laid out, I'm like, well, there he like I'm, I just assume he's done for the season because he gets fucking hit. Yeah, and hard. driven into the ground. I mean, the, these teams know. Dude, I mean, yeah, he's got collarbones made of steel. Um, but but yeah, but then even then they'll 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 drop Purdy in because Purdy just fits. Um, the play calling better. I I would love to see that wrinkle. I think yeah, like you said, that is a a big part of it. That can kind of um you know cover up the warts uh, along the offensive line as far as uh you know their blocking goes. Um, having that escapability is is important um for a quarterback. But yeah, I I don't I just don't see it happening. I, I just think there's a school out there that can use Smothers, and I would like to be that school. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he he is a great talent. He's incredibly fast. He mm-hmm. reminds me of what Trey Palmer did on that touchdown catch where you're like, Casey, who are you throwing to? And then all of a sudden Palmer like goes Sonic the Hedgehog and is just there to catch <laughs> yeah. that ball and bring it in. You know, that's it no one's in the end zone and then all of a sudden Palmer's there underneath the ball. Logan has that ability to accelerate as well. And I just think it would benefit the offense to give a change of pace, like you said, add that wrinkle in and then also protect Casey. I don't think going to Chuba in that sense, you know, to, to protect Casey or give him a breather to take things in is the right move because Chuba's the same offense. Same. Yeah. It's the right? same guy. You're, well, and I guess the other thing too is Casey talked about when he got yanked in the Indiana game, he didn't like it. I wouldn't and, either. <laughs> and so I wonder how much that had, like, um, you know, like if you know, you're going to rattle your quarterback, even, I mean, I know, I know Mickey doesn't, I don't want to say he doesn't care, but like, um, you want to, you still want to keep your guys happy, right? Sure, to a degree. And so, yeah, I think, I think pulling Casey out for a series or two a game to to plug Logan in. But I see, I don't, I don't see that as the same as like we're benching you. If if it's a scripted, like, look, we have this weapon yeah. that we're going to use that nobody has film on for this season. Nobody's going to be prepared for the the deeper you get into the season the more this could be beneficial in a big game or a tight game or a close game if you're running this back. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that this offense need to f- needs to fix along the line. And so I can understand why they don't want to devote time to doing this. There's there's plenty of reasons why not to. Again, that's why it's a <laughs> yeah. hill to die on. <laughs> that's why I'm up there by myself. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I could see it as a benefit uh, to this team, especially when we get into games where we're going to have to start stealing possessions. Uh, but if Rutgers can play three quarterbacks, you know, and they're all pseudo healthy, I don't know why we can't. Yeah, they combined for fifty percent passing and hundred yards. I don't know. You, you know, you're in a good spot when your tight end <laughs> tight end comes in at quarterback <laughs> to run the wildcat. Man, those announcers were high on him, weren't they? And he was wildly ineffective. <laughs> um, I did have some other other quick notes. I just think Thompson has grit. Yeah. You know, that, that stuff to say about Smothers isn't to take away from Casey. Man, that guy just, he stays in there. He steps up. He had that huge uh, first down run that he went straight up the middle and and extended that drive. And then I think the play of the game was the Oliver Martin unsportsmanlike where he was thrown out of bounds. What people aren't talking about is the fact that that was a low snap. Casey picked that up off the ground, shed a defender, and mm-hmm. then got the ball to Martin without... You know, that drive, I mean, he could have easily collapsed. The clock continues to tick. You punt the ball away and you think, okay, we're just going to play field position at this point. Yeah. He could have easily done that, but the competitor and the grit, he stepped up. He made the throw. Like, those are the moments where you go, 
this is why I do ride into battle behind this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna. I have I have that marked down. Um, I'm gonna put that as a. I put that as a. I don't know if it's a glass half full or a glass half empty. That we know how tough Casey Thompson is because we know how tough Adrian Martinez is too. Yeah, and I don't want to know how tough my quarterback is from all the hits he's taking. I I think my point of view was more a mentality thing, not so much taking a hit, but more he's he's going to do the extra to win the game. It's like diving after a loose ball in basketball. Okay. Right? It's an extra effort thing. I don't need my guy to get sacked as well, but to make those smart mental decisions, to me that shows a, a level of grit as well, that even under that pressure, he's like, no, I got a play to make. Yeah. So. Okay, no, I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's, it's I agree, he can maintain that <laughs> mentality and that grit despite the fact that he's getting lit up like a Christmas tree on a regular basis. That's great. Yeah. That is incredible. That's great that we have that guy because we need that guy. Yeah. Um, it sucks that we have to witness it. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Um, I thought uh, the, the best named player in the world, Chance Brewington, flashed really well as well during the game. Yeah. Um, had that nice. Had great reception there. Yeah. yeah. And, and man, for a tight end, he's got speed. He looked, um, when he caught the ball and started running, I was like, he looks like he's lost some weight. Like he just looks smaller, but it's because he's not running down Ramming the line into someone, smashing a guy. You know, we didn't get to see one of those uh, where he did that on the uh, goal line and, and leveled a guy. I always love to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, he revels in that. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Yeah. He owns that. He owns that he, bit, but. And like his celebration after that, he doesn't even need to see the touchdown. <laughs> if the guy's on his back, he's already celebrating. Yeah. And and then he sees the touchdown. He's like, oh, that too. We yeah. did that oh, as yeah. well. Like <laughs> just he's playing football, man. Yeah. He's fun to watch. Um, I, I just I wrote down, and it's worth repeating again, when Grant woke everybody up, mm-hmm. when he just leveled that DB. That poor DB didn't I mean yeah (laughs) and that was a good that's honestly like that was a safety i I forget his name but he's one of wreckers better players like he's a he's been around for a while and he's made a lot of plays so and you know what i give credit to grant for on that in addition to it was he didn't do what running backs do where they lower their head and go like to lower the boom it was shoulder it was was, was completely clean clean. yeah yeah and and so you can't look at that and go man what a dirty play or something like that people on twitter were saying that's targeting on Grant, it's like you. I don't think you understand no. the rule. Like the only he, thing he did was targeting my heart. <laughs> this little cupid arrow, fucking falling in love with him. It's really further. hard when my kid is like near falling asleep. It's nine nine thirty at night. Everyone's in bed. The lights are all off, and I'm like standing at the edge of the bed, and I can't make any noise. And when that happens, <laughs> it's just so. That is that is a test, man. Yeah. That is difficult. Oh man! Um, and then the other two things I had is is Palmer is that guy, and and it was great to see Volkolek just play Volkolek. He got his first touchdown. Can you? That doesn't. Which I don't. Another believe surprising that. one. That was it was like last week. Uh, Palmer got his first hundred yard game, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Volkolek first touchdown, um, which was crazy. But yeah. then the the fact that it happened at Rutgers for him probably felt very fucking good. Yeah. So yeah, let's forget the fact that Vedral got one too against Nebraska. <laughs> um, and, and celebrate vocal. I can ignore that. Yeah. So those are my offensive thoughts. Um, yeah. That was it. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the play calling? The empty set fourth and one. The jet sweep on third and one. You know. You know. They happen. I do and I don't. I do and I don't. But we won. We won. I will say this to. I will say this to that because everybody. We all. Okay. Witnessed, I'm, I'm excited to hear game. you say that to this. I will <laughs> 
that to this is um, it would be tough as Mark Whipple to call your style of offense with this with the offensive line being the way it is and with Rutgers defense shutting down your run game. It would be very difficult. He made some terrible choices, I think. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, who am I to um, question the guy with you know, however many decades of experience and, sure. and so on and so forth in his profession. I just think back to graduate of Stanford, Richard Sherman, who said, you've got one yard. You've got a guy <laughs> like Lynch in the backfield. Run the fucking yeah. ball. Yeah. I mean, they've got, they've got at least two of those. Guys. I would say they've got like three and a half. Yeah. You know what? I, and, and when they go yeah. into that jumbo set where they, they bring in uh Borkirker and he's lined up back there and you know, they're just going to run power. And it's, we're going to line up. You better stop us. Yeah. And then Grant gets six yards on it. Yeah. I mean. I would say they did that. Yeah, they did it earlier in the drive. And then they. they and then they went away from it. Fucking, yeah. I, so, again, yeah. I don't I don't know. It, would, it was maybe just trying to, like, overthink it, trying to be too cute. I don't know. Yeah. Not, not. Uh, but again, but. And that screams, like, not trusting your your guys up front. Um, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't like it at all. I I'm will, trying to give him some benefit of the doubt. My least favorite play of the game least favorite play call I should say was was the reverse where they tried to oh yeah I if when you pull out trick shit like that I already feel like you think you can't win mm-hmm. like to me that's a mentality thing and you, you do know that when you're up on the team like Oklahoma did to us when you're up or when nothing else is working you yeah. know what I mean like you I, I to me I don't I don't say I don't like trick plays unless nothing else is working like black 41 flash reverse was necessary to win that game. Yeah. You know what I mean? But but it's not like Rutgers was was taking, I don't know. I I just ugh. Yeah. It just felt dirty. Yep. Felt gross. Yeah. So that's the high note we'll end the offense. <laughs> Overall though, man, we've got some we've got some dogs on offense who just refuse to quit. You know, yes. defense you expect it for there to be guys who like that you know, playing tough, playing dirty. Uh offense you you can you can see the culture instead of having to hear about it all the time. You can see what Mickey has infused in these guys in three short weeks. Yeah. All right. Defensively, hit me. Zero points allowed in the second half. Again. Again. Back to back weeks. Yep. Huge adjustments. Um. You know, watching your offense struggle and knowing you got to go out there and win the game. Yeah. And they fucking did it. It's incredible. And they did it with um guys getting hurt. You know, you lo- you lose your top corner. You lose your your inside linebacker and Luke Reimer. And they just plugged in new dudes. And those guys made plays. Yeah. Um, it's amazing what happens when you're lined up in the right spot before the snap. Oh, fuck. And you're communicating well and you're shifting well on the field. Like, when a guy goes in motion, there's no panic. It's yeah. like, oh, I just need to go there. That's my. This is my job. This I'm is gonna my assignment. I just need to be in the spot, put my feet here. And, and yeah. And, and what a way for that defense to respond, too. I mean, Rutgers was dropping dimes yeah. all over the secondary. And yeah. I was like, God, how can they hit all? Those are hard throws. Those touch passes are not easy, and our guys mm-hmm. are draped on them. Like it's not like we were out of position and they had, you know, a yard. Like the one that they hit right away on Hartzog was, I thought he was going to break that thing up, and it's just man, yeah. And that could be deflating. And, yeah. And, and Hartzog was getting picked on a lot, mm-hmm. um, and so that can be hard. But yeah, they responded really well. Um, but again, that's a if you're in the right position, you make the other team. The other team has to make the play. Like yeah. they have to execute it almost perfectly in order to get what they want. And and that's what they were forcing them to do. And then eventually, 
um, Rutgers just stopped executing in a lot of regards. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they actually they went away from those touch passes. They, they started throwing more aggressively. They were trying to hit, you know, strikes in, in the zone coverage or, or whatever Nebraska was throwing at them. And they, they went away from it. They went away from what they were having success with. And like you said, it's like they're trying to lose the game. It's like, well, when you get into that second half and you anticipate the defense making adjustments, you don't need to like preemptively make adjustments <laughs> on offense. Like you keep doing it until it stops working. Yeah. And and those were the, you know, like three passes where they were all intercepted is they're trying to like fit stuff in there instead of mm-hmm. letting their receivers go make the play. Yeah. When I, I think Nebraska might have had some hand in that, at least like we were we were getting pressure like Oshawn was getting back there a lot. And yeah. so they were doing some nice stuff up front. There were yeah. some nice defensive line stunts that were effective. Mm-hmm. Mathis and and Nelson were having a great game. Nash yeah. got back there and got his big paw into a play, and yeah. uh, Feast was having a good game. I mean, that defensive line was really, I think, the key to stopping that, yeah. that offense. They were, and they, they did a lot. It looked like um, once I really started to take note of the defensive line, not that I wasn't watching them, but like when I started taking note, I was looking for Robinson, and I didn't see a lot of him. It was a lot of Wynn and Andrew, I think, in the in that, and then Feast in the the uh, tackle position and so like I thought you know after Robinson after his great game with Indiana I thought we might see a continuation of that um, but but they obviously were rotating guys on that defensive line so they're not relying on just one one yeah. player to be disruptive there so which is good yeah I mean just to, to rehash Mathis had a great game I think he had the defensive play of the game which was getting that swat on the ball getting that tip yeah that yeah. Uh, that kept the defensive pass interference and killed that drive mm-hmm. for him that that to me was was the play um, outside of Farmer's interception, where yeah. where he had a nice return on that? Um, forgive me, who was the linebacker that made the interception? Uh, Twenty six, maybe. No, a DB. so that was DB. So Brandon Moore, it was all DBs. Brandon okay. Moore, Farmer, and Hartzog all had the. Okay. Yeah, but Brandon Moore, he's a 20, a 24, 26, Yeah, whatever he was, um, he's the guy. He came from UCF. Through he, he was a late addition. He was late. He came yeah. after fall camp. Um, and he he's obviously worked his tail off to I mean, he he's familiar somewhat with the defense because he because of his time at Central Florida, um, but he's had an injury riddled career um, that's that's held him back and so but he he's come in and he's jumped a few guys yeah you know a few guys that have playing time this year guys who um, are bigger maybe bigger names more talked about. So um, he was, yeah, he was an afterthought of an afterthought, I think, just because of how late he came in. Sure. And he's, again, just they, that next man up mentality, put guys in the right spot. Um, and, and the staff that's willing to play guys that they believe in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, good yeah. for him. Good I mean, for it, Brandon. It, defensively, it looked like a tale of two halves. You know, the first half, you think, does Rutgers just practice touch passes and stiff arms on offense like is that their <laughs> offensive identity because shit those 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 running backs were tough to bring down they were young mm-hmm. guys freshmen and sophomore running backs so I thought they played with incredible toughness and yeah. you know I, I don't like being right in those situations where it's like this is gonna be a tough game because this is a team that takes after their head coach he's a no excuse no bullshit kind of guy and in, in his postgame presser same thing no excuse no bullshit we didn't execute we knew it was going to be a tough fight. We gave them what we could give them, you know, that sort of thing. Not was, Tom Allen. No. <laughs> got fed after midnight and he starts multiplying like a fucking gremlin. I, but that, that defense just really, they, man, they tightened up and, and um, again, it was just so great to see 
that kind of response. And I think mm. Bill Bush is only going to get better. Yeah. Right. He got dropped into a just as difficult of a situation as Mickey did, maybe even more so because you've got, you know, when, when something on the field happens, if it happens offensively, okay, Whipple's to blame. If it happens defensively, Bush is to blame. If it happens in the DBs, Fisher's to blame. If it's a running back thing, then it's, it's Apple white to blame. You know, it's like there's, there's specific blame that can be placed. Whereas Mickey has, I think a little bit less of to be blamed in the game. If it's not like clock management or if it's not that sort of situation, you can go, man, you know, so-and-so didn't get their guys ready. Yeah. So I think Bush having to step into that and having to be that defensive play caller, you just, you question, okay, this guy's never been in this situation. How is he going to adjust? Who's he going to listen to? Who are his guys on the staff who he's like, I trust their point of view, that sort of thing. Um, and so to see him excel, and like I said, we're going to get to a point maybe where the first quarter is the rough and then two, three, and four is more aggressive or that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to how this defense continues to evolve and improve. Yeah, I agree with you. They, cause they obviously, they were not close to expectations, but they're all the talent is still there. So we'll see what happens next. Yeah. You have anything for special teams? Um, Blaze Gunnarsson with yeah. the, the game saving tackle. Really was on that. Really was on the block punt. Um, so we can all forget that we allowed a blocked punt. Yeah. Um, I like we, how last week it was. <laughs> you win ninety percent of the games where you get a punt blocked against. Probably you. do. Uh, and this one just happened to be on that. That's why there's that ten percent. That's where that other yeah. the other one comes in. Um, got a little lucky. That I think the guy that scooped it didn't fully scoop it. He didn't bring a shovel. Yeah. Um, and so and good for Blaze too. He's been having a struggle trying to really make hay, you know, on the defense, and for him to come up with that just that big he, special yeah. teams play. He's, well, he's in it, and he's in a position of depth that we have yeah. great depth and so and he's a guy that um maybe i don't know i don't is he from iowa i can't remember i think he's from out of iowa um he came in with like some like sleeper or like um he wasn't like the most heralded guy but but there was still some chatter about him like uh, he could develop and so yeah so he might still take some time but he i think he'll have a nice career but so but how you do that um, is you make these plays like you yeah. you you go all out on special teams and um, and so that was great great for him to have that. Um, Bushini was was inconsistent, but I think he made some really nice punts in some key situations, yep. and so he continues to um, still be an asset uh, for this team, especially because we're going to be playing these games where it is going to be tight. You can't rely on your defense for a full game. You can't rely on your offense for however long yeah um you need to have you need to have those special plates from special teams so i also think it's important to point out that machini was injured i mean yeah he got lit <laughs> up tough, on that another on that. tough one yeah. yeah and so he showed his grit too again you don't need your punter to show their grit <laughs> unless your punter's like pat mcafee that's the only guy you want to be like yeah i want to see the grit of my punter um and then corsac for rutgers we got his first touchback. Yeah, suck it, Corsac. We got it. In like 150 punts or yeah, something fucking crazy like that. 150 punts without a touchback. 151st. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a wild stat. That is a fucking crazy. Because all it takes is just a weird bounce sure. to get a touchback. Sure. I don't think I have enough leg to get a touchback. So, like, I could probably <laughs> punt 12 yards and never get a touchback. But but he's trying. Yeah, like he's trying to pin teams deep. You're trying to stick him in the five, and he was doing. Yeah, completely unrelated. Did we ever get clarification on what that one penalty was where Rutgers got moved back? 
Do you remember that? You came back from the commercial break, and the announcers were like, Rutgers got a penalty after that, that punt return, and now they're on the seven or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember that. Okay, I didn't read the box score. I, like, I didn't dive oh, okay. in deep enough to. These late, dude, these late night games are just eating me up. I'm yeah. not going to lie. And they these past couple have gone long. Sure. They've been slow, slow pace. Um, Fair enough. Not complaining. I like a lot of football. I like a lot of Nebraska football, but uh, I've, I've had to drink some coffee to get through these ones. I'm not going to lie. Well, I've got one more question for you. Not to make this any longer than it needs to. <laughs> Too late. So we've now gone through and we've seen three games with Mickey Joseph as head coach. He's two and one. Uh, he's back to got Nebraska back to five hundred. We've got six games left on the schedule. What what to you is a realistic expectation looking at these next six games? And just to read them off, it's Purdue, Minnesota, Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa. Not in that order. But those are just the six teams we have left. I don't think that there's a, a definite win out of those six. Uh, I think they're all mm-hmm. going to be hard-fought battles, just like the past two games have been. Um, how, how do you how do you feel on that? Like, what to you would be uh, the baseline of success, and then what would be like incredible? Mm, incredible would be if we finished if we get a bowl game. At, that would be incredible because this is yeah. the, this is a this is a meaty part of the schedule. Um, Purdue, we'll talk about. Um, they're they've they've got question marks, but they're they're another team that's that can beat can beat themselves, but they can also overcome their mistakes. Um, I guess the the easiest team. I don't even know the easy Illinois. You would have, but preseason called them the <laughs> easiest. That was supposed to be our break. Yeah. Um, in this part of the schedule, and and they're five and one now. So yeah. so now it's Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're perfect against the East already. Um, right? Why not sweep the East? Oh, could you imagine? Uh, that would be crazy. That would. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't even tune into our Michigan episode. I'll tell you right now. Um, Just, nope. Nope. <laughs> it's a one-word episode. No, I think, I think yeah, I think if he can, if he can somehow fucking find a, a way to get to a bowl game, six wins would be incredible at this point. That um, might be the most non-national championship attended bowl game in Husker football history. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, people will turn. If they're like, well, we already went to fucking Ireland, we might as well <laughs> go to the Pinstripe Bowl. Yeah, 15.7 million viewers on the Pinstripe Bowl, <laughs> the most ever. Um, so, yeah, that would be that would be truly incredible. My, I want, I, competitiveness, I mean, I know that's super, like, basic and maybe even a little vague, but, like, hanging in there against the rest of these teams, showing... Um, improvement on the defensive side, continuing to show improvement there. You know, not not playing these two half games, um, but coming in and 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 uh, you know, giving them a full effort for for full four quarters. The offense, man, like at this point, I don't know. Um, we we can point to the individual successes, but like collectively, it's not adding up. Yeah, and so. So I don't I don't know where you'd put a put a benchmark there other than you know them averaging twenty four to twenty eight points a game and then hope hoping that our defense can keep keep the score low sure so I don't know I don't I don't honestly I don't expect a lot of wins going forward um, 
I'm weirdly okay with that, with the way that the season has gone. And it, the, I, it's easy to say that now. Come game day, I'm not okay with uh, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, In the moment, absolutely, I'll be, I'll be miserable every time we lose. Um, if we lose, uh, you know, I never lose again. Yeah, you just don't could, know. We could, we could go undefeated here on out. I don't know. What are you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling about the, the remainder? You know, I, I don't think it's team specific, but I, I see the potential for maybe two more wins. I think that there's enough good stuff happening with Mickey, and I think that he's not going to rest on his laurels. This offense is going to continue to try and figure out what's going on. I, I think the 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 break will happen if it's you know paralysis by analysis. If we're just trying to think too much, kind of like that fourth and one attempt where you're not just running the ball. Yeah. You know, you, you're trying to think too much. You're trying to be too cute. You're trying to do too much. Um, I think this defense, like I said, is just going to get better. Um, and, and it's starting to feel like it fits in with the big 10 West. Um, I don't know though. I, I mean, I could, I could see us, like I said, stealing two more games, three, I think would be a miracle three. I mean, if, if Mickey were to get to a bowl game without a doubt, you need to sign him up as the next head coach. Cause these guys clearly know how to fucking play for him. Yeah. And I think that giving him the ability to structure what he wants in an off season, whether that's coaching changes or whether that's a different different style of player, whatever that happens to be, I, I could see him building towards success, and I'm okay with that gamble, uh, you know, with with his quote unquote inexperience, yeah. because it's inexperience as a head coach, but it's not inexperience in leading young men and right. doing what's right by them, and I think a big chunk of a head coach is doing those things so that they listen to their coordinators, they buy into the system, and they give their all. On, on Friday, Saturday, or whatever fucking day they're playing. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, two wins is possible. Three three would indicate that you're not just catching teams on their off day. Sure. That you're actually, you're building towards something. Yeah. So, because we're playing a lot of teams from the West, and all these teams have had some pretty fucking bad days lately. Um, But... But yeah, it would it would go beyond luck if we if we won anything more than two more games. Fair enough. So before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. As we mentioned at the top of the show, Wannabe Walk-Ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. This month is Drink Local Month. It's a month-long celebration where we all pledge to drink local beer and only local beer, something Ben failed to recognize when coming up with the Sportsman Sip segment. Drinking local craft beer not only puts local good good in your tummy, it also supports small businesses from around the state and all the folks bringing Nebraska beer to life. So do as we say, and not as Ben is forcing me to do, and drink only local beer for the month of October. You can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild, find local breweries, and join the Nebraska Beer Alliance by visiting nebraska.beer. And on that note, let's drink a beer from not Nebraska in this week's Sportsman Sip. So, Drew, this week we are drinking a beer from Three Floyds in Munster, Indiana. Have you heard of Three Floyds at all? I've heard of them, yes. Okay, they're uh, probably about the most prolific craft brewery in Indiana. I would compare their style to Sam from Cosmic Eye, kind okay. of a heavy metal, punk rock, sort of just aggressive, big on flavor kind of brewery. Yeah, putting uh, them up on a pretty big pedestal there. Well, you know, people really like Three Floyds. Mm-hmm. I really like Sam from Cosmic Eye. Yeah. Okay. So the beer we are drinking is called Cheer Team Ale, 
and it's it's a lie. And <laughs> for some reason, when I saw a, a word that started with C and the last word ale, I thought maybe we're getting like a cream ale or something with a little, uh, just like yeah. a nice, tame. See, this is the problem with their branding is you can't read it. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like a fucking angry man bat on the front <laughs> of the can. And the description for this beer is, this monstrous and enigmatic double India pale ale was created with virtually every hop product known to man, including oh, including real hops. The result brings to life fruity and juicy hop characteristics that are both unrelentingly delicious and, as always, not normal. Drew, what do you think about this beer? So this is not a Nebraska beer, so this I can say whatever the fuck Nebraska I want. Beer. Okay, and Three Floyds is doing fine without me, <laughs> right? So Well, and it's so damn hard to get them anywhere outside of Indiana. You have to pay too much money to get stuff like this, and they're always out of stock. Yeah. So I was finally able to get a can of Three Floyds beer, and I get that I get, like, you might think, well, this is a fucking scam. <laughs> but we have we have differing opinions on this beer. I, I really like this beer, but Which is weird, because I, I, IPAs are one of my favorite styles. Um, I'm not burnt out on them yet. And, and yeah, the, just the, the hops in this are just, I, they're not jiving with my taste buds, not jiving with my nose buds. Uh, none of them. None of it. It's, it's a, I'll drink it, because it's got, you know, booze in it, and we got to keep talking about Nebraska football. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a very distinct, just say it, just say, just say the flavor profile that's hitting you. Okay. The flavor profile that's hitting me. And I don't know if this is accurate, but it's cat piss. Right. And so, cause I've never, I've never, I've neither smelled nor tasted cat piss, but I know it's a, it is a descriptor that a lot of people use for some hops. And, um, and so anytime I come across a beer that has this distinct, flavor and smell that I have no other description for. I can't correlate it to anything I've ever tasted or smelled. I'm like, ah, it's probably fucking cat piss, which is is just my terminology for like, I, I don't like it. Now, my palate gets a lot of tropical, juicy, fruity notes on this, Yeah, which for a, a double IPA, I would not expect. I would expect more of that dankness, more of that cat pissy sort of mm-hmm. thing that people associate with IPAs. Your your poor face is just cringing. <laughs> I really like this beer. Yeah, I keep coming back to it to try to find that tropical note that you're you really about, don't I can't, get. The, I have none of it. Literally it, none of it. Wouldn't it be funny, listeners, if <laughs> Drew's never also had an orange? And <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, I don't know what this flavor is. I've never been to Florida. I don't know. But it's it's either an orange <laughs> or it's cat piss. <laughs> One or the other. Well, this this I guess is our our cheers to. Purdue by drinking a beer <laughs> local to them. Um, you know what? I will say though, like this beer matches perfectly our expectations and our viewpoint um, for Purdue. Yeah, you see tropical oranges and I see cat piss. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Preseason, I thought this was going to be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. They still look like an okay team. They've had, I think, quality losses, and I think they've had some quality wins. Yeah. So where do you want to start talking Purdue? I don't. Okay. And I don't want to wraps t- it up. <laughs> I want to talk Purdue? No, all right. Let's. Uh, I, I let's think see where the obvious the obvious place to start with Purdue is with their offense. Yeah, and overall, I think one of the things that does Purdue well is they do have an identity on offense. They know who they are. They know how they're going to find success, and they are going to stick to it come hell or high water. It's probably an offense that Mark Whipple looks at and goes, 
I like what Purdue does because they are a pass-heavy offense. They've got a solid leader at quarterback, and they're going to get their yards. They're going to get them through the air. It's a matter of whether or not are they going to convert, and is Aiden O'Connell in a turnover mood, or is he in a I'm going to thread the needle kind of mood? Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's been a bit of a question mark. The one thing that has been a surprise for their offense is that their run game has been a lot better. Yeah, like a full yard per run attempt. Yeah, better two. than last year. Yeah, yeah up to two. Is it? Jesus no. Christ! <laughs> no, that's that's not fair. That's a pretty cat pissy joke. <laughs> um, it's not. It's still you know. It's still not. It's not um something that's going to grab your attention if you didn't know, but. But if you you know saw him last year compared to this year, I think that's been a big difference. And then the other thing that I that my big question mark for them offensively, aside from whether they would have any semblance of a run game, was who were they going to throw the ball to? Because they had all their top receivers leaving, um, but they have Charlie Jones now yeah. this year, who is fucking lighting it up, yeah, like crazy, absolutely. Um, and then the, and then Payne Durham. Their their tight end is a huge mismatch for a lot of teams, and so he's had a great great year as well so far. So, um, but like you said, Aiden O'Connell has been a lot more of a question mark, um, I think, than people maybe were looking looking at because they were really fucking hyping this dude up. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, who who are gonna get behind center? Who are playing against? I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, to his defense, he was injured midway through already through this season, and then he's come back. as he's worked his way through, and he did well enough to beat a Minnesota team, a very good Minnesota team, and to hang in there against a Maryland team and do just enough to get the win uh, against Maryland. Um, he is four interceptions for the last two games, but you know who isn't? Casey Thompson is. So yeah. it's, it's not like <laughs> you know it, you can't. It's not like you're going to lose games just because you're throwing interceptions. That's almost the risk to this offense, right? This is That's the risk they're willing to play with is, okay, so we're going to have some turnovers, but we're throwing the ball enough and we're moving the ball well enough that some of those turnovers are going to really play more like punts. Yeah, they've well, they've played to a negative turnover margin the past couple of weeks, and they've won both games against Minnesota and Maryland, who are really high-scoring offenses mm-hmm. that they've shut down. And so they've, and, and against Minnesota, um, well, I, we had two interceptions, no touchdowns, didn't even yeah. throw for 200 yards. Um they're, they've shown that they can find different ways to win. So when the identity isn't clicking, they have other things they can lean on. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's defense. Sometimes it's the run game. Sometimes it's the pass game. Sometimes it's just fucking the mentality. Yeah. You know, and, and overcoming your own mistakes. And, and that might be the hardest thing to do is to overcome mistake after mistake after mistake and just keep fucking hanging in there. Sure. And they, they have that established. That's what scares me most about them. I think what is good news, though, for Nebraska is they're learning the same things, right? Yeah. They're they're against those same kind of ropes. When they're getting hit in the mouth and they're falling backwards, you're, God, I'm so sorry that you're drinking that beer. That's a choice now. I'm choosing to do this. <laughs> I should have just I don't know you a little, a little sip and be like, do you, like a, like a sommelier or a Cicero. <laughs> That's just, right. Do you like this beer? Sir? It'll get better as it warms up. No, it won't. Just like cat piss. <laughs> All right. Wasn't the worst thing in elementary school going over to a friend's house for a sleepover and they were like they were the they had a bad smell in their house. Do you ever experience oh, that? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, everyone, go downstairs to watch Mighty Ducks too. And like <laughs> you got your pizza plate and you're just like, God, it smells like someone threw up in that corner. Yeah. Or like there is cat piss or like the dog peed <laughs> a lot on this area or something like that. Man, what a that just ruined. Ruined D two and yeah. Emilio Estevez's fine performance. And the knuckle puck. Oh yeah. And 
Well, this is turning into a Mighty Ducks 2 <laughs> podcast about uh, Team USA at the Junior Olympic Sports. Um, so, yeah, anyways, Purdue's offense, pass heavy, yeah, really aggressive. They know who they are. They're going to dink and dunk on you. And what I found really impressive about that, they have five receivers who are averaging 10 yards per completion or more. So they've got they've got a, the ability to spread the ball. Now, you were mentioning mm-hmm. that Charlie Jones is, is getting a bulk of that load. we're gonna pause 15 seconds for station (laughs) identification but they have the ability to pass the ball around and get everyone involved Payne durham is a real a real issue as well like you mentioned uh so i i do expect this to be a very difficult task but i like the fact that for the past two games the defense, Nebraska's defense has really been challenged to go man-to-man coverage, to make the plays, get past breakups, be on your guy. This this is almost like two weeks of preparation for this kind of offense. We're going to need to see the best game out of these guys defensively that we've seen because in order to shut down Purdue, we're going to have to basically get coverage sacks, right? Like we've got to get Aiden O'Connell yeah. uncomfortable. We've got to ha- give him zero options or tight windows, either get turnovers or give him enough time so that Mathis – and Robinson and Nelson can get back there and do their thing. Yeah, their offensive line is not um, its not full of league winners. They don't give up a lot of sacks, though. Um, and so, yeah, so you will be lucky to generate a, a lot of pressure or, or a bunch of pressure that's noticeable. Um, but hopefully, like, hopefully our secondary is coming in with some confidence here. They've, they've seen that they can adjust to opponents mid-game. Um, this is going to be a big step up, though. Yeah. Across, oh, yeah. Uh, just across the board. It's an, it's an offense. I mean, in the past couple of weeks, we haven't seen an effective offense, and this is an effective offense. Yeah, and this is one where, um, you know, you can shut one of their top guys down. Like, uh, Maryland shut down Charlie Jones. They, I think they held him to, like, three catches for 15 yards, and, and Purdue still put up over 30 points and still was able to be effective with, uh, with the tight end and with some other receivers. And so, um, you know, it, it is a, a bit of a pick-your-poison offense. Um but you, yeah, even eliminating a star guy is not going to shut the machine down. Sure. So, well, moving in then to Purdue's defense, flipping the field. Any thoughts jump out at you first thing about what this defense is capable of, of doing? No, the only thing I'm thinking of right now is I need to get better at organizing my notes. So, that's fine. I agree <laughs> with that. But <laughs> you know, this defense I think is actually really good at uh, at taking the ball away as well. They've got a secondary that's not afraid. Uh, to be aggressive, they are good at intercepting the ball. They're they're really good at, at getting their hands up on there, and I'm sure that that comes from experience of practicing good on good. When you're going against a, an offense in practice that's throwing the ball around, that's how you stop them. Yeah, um, they've had I believe eight interceptions this season so far, mm-hmm. and seven of those came from their secondary. Two or five of those came from their safeties, Cam Allen and Chris Jefferson. Those are the two guys that scare me the most. That those guys are roaming the field and and they really know how to work in tandem with with their corners and to make the most out of that secondary. Yeah, it's it's a it's one of those secondaries in in defense in, in general that operates on being disruptive. They give up a lot of pass yards. Um but like you said they get a lot of interceptions. They've got tons of pass breakups. They hurry the quarterback. Um they're pretty good at, at getting in the backfield and, and and you know getting the sacks or the tackles for loss as well. So 
Um, not just Cam Allen and, and, and Jefferson, like you mentioned, but Corey Trice is another guy. He's one of their corners. Um, doesn't have the interceptions to show for it like those guys, but he's got seven pass breakups of his own to go with one interception. Um, and then, and they're they're an aged group. They're yeah. experienced, right? They're all. They, I think they got all seniors starting back there. Um, and so, yeah. So it's gonna be. It's definitely gonna be a tough secondary to face up against if um, if Casey Thompson is being pressured into making some throws. You know, you don't want to be throwing up, you know, lob balls or anything dangerous. Yeah. Um, with these guys, because if they don't pick it off, they're gonna they'll bat it to the ground. On the inverse side of that as well, I think they've got a pretty stingy run defense. They've been very good against the run this year so far. Teams have had a, a difficult time with that, and they're led to me by Jacob Mark Wahlberg. Uh, that's middle name's not Mark. <laughs> uh, but, but Jacob Wahlberg's had a really good year so far. He's got one interception, one forced fumble. He's in on damn near every play. He reminds me of their Luke Reimer. I mean, if you're going to put a comparison to it, he's the guy that's in there leading that defense. Uh, with his play, maybe not the play calling, but he is the most aggressive linebacker they're going to have. And if someone's tackling behind the line or if someone's, you know, attacking right at the point of, of contact, it's going to be Wahlberg. Um, so keep an eye out for him. He's going to be all over the field and he's going to be a guy that you want to lead things away from, especially when you're, you know, going heavy with those crossing routes that Casey likes to favor. He's a guy that you're going to want to have to shrug off and make sure isn't in that passing lane. Yeah. Yeah, this will be probably another tough one for for Anthony Grant. You know, he'll have to work for his yards and stuff. Um, that I it's 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 kind of like Rutgers in that sense, but I think again another step up. Yeah, to me, you know, last week I don't know if we said this on recording or if we just said it in passing conversations. Forgive me for not remembering. But forgiven. Okay, thank you. Welcome. I don't. I don't even need to say it then. Mm. <laughs> no. What I what I felt was like okay, you know we we had Indiana, and you could write that off as maybe a fluke, a team responding for their head coach for this guy that they really love, but was it a fluke? And then you have Rutgers where you have another game where we pull out a game late, we do something we haven't done in a long time, we win our second Big Ten game in a row for, for the first time since like 2018 and, mm-hmm. and it's a come from behind win and it's it's something that this team needs and all this and you're like okay well maybe this is the next step to me Purdue if if Nebraska comes out on top of this game that tells me more than any of those other two wins ahead Hand, of time. hands Where, down yeah I mean yeah. this this is a serious game with a contender for the west and I know that you're not as high on Purdue as I am but I do see them as a team that could easily if the cards fall the right way you know, be in Indianapolis losing to Ohio State. They could be well on their way to that. That um, and I preseason, yeah, I was I was low on them, and I don't think they've shown enough to really change my mind. But Nebraska has shown enough to change my mind on Nebraska. Yeah, going into this one, and so um, yeah, this will be a this will be a massive challenge. Um, you you they're they're on the road for the second week in a row, and they've they've beaten two teams that are it's Indiana and Rutgers. Um, and we, as, as, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push you on that. It's easy to say that now that it was Indiana and Rutgers going into those games is a fucking crapshoot because it, you just it, don't know. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't. It still is. Like, like at this point, as a Nebraska fan and a player, team, whatever, you take what you take what you can get. You you and you highlight the victories that you get, not just the winning the games, but the victories within the games. Um, all the things that we have not done and shown for the past few years that we are now doing and showing. Yeah, we're squeaking out close wins, but this was the thing that we fucking were talking about, I don't know, three years ago, was you you lose close, and then you win close, and then you win big. You That's yeah. that's the process, right? And so we just got stuck on on phase two 
<laughs> for half of a decade and now we're on now we're on to that we're winning close but i feel like two two wins for me isn't enough to say we're winning close now right we've won close but winning to me is a is a process it's okay. it's, it's racking yeah. those up right cuz we could we said earlier in the episode we could see an 0 and 6 to finish the season right and so then that's not winning that's still losing and who knows if it's losing big or losing small right so to me this is this is a real litmus test with a, a real solid opponent again not to write off Rutgers and Indiana cuz those were tough games Rutgers is is an opponent that I respect I respect how Greg Schiano is coaching that team yeah. because there there's no quit in them they did not quit that entire game yeah zero respect for Indiana by the way oh I I didn't mention no, them yeah um, I just needed to. I needed to mention them <laughs> to make sure that everybody was very clear on that. You haven't had respect for Indiana all season, <laughs> though. So, um, there's a documentary that came out on Netflix this past week about the Redeem team, the uh, the twenty or two thousand and eight men's basketball team, uh, led by like LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony and Kobe Bryant and all those sort of things. Mm-hmm. And they they were showing the the final game with the U.S. against Spain for the gold medal match. And the U.S. was in the lead, and then Spain would catch up. And then U.S. was in the lead, and Spain would catch up, and, and back and forth. And LeBron was like, I was never nervous, but these fuckers wouldn't go away. <laughs> and 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 I feel like that's how Rutgers felt about us, and that's how we felt about Rutgers. Is It's like, mm-hmm. we're going to keep it close, but neither of these guys are willing to go. No one's willing to roll over. Yeah. And Purdue is the same team. Yeah. Just with, I think, more talent, longer coaching, more of an identity. Rutgers doesn't have an offensive identity, you know. Oh, they're, yeah, they're you know, just all over And, and the part place. of that's injury. They've got three quarterbacks who are injured. Um, Evan Simon was was playing his best with an injury. Vedral was playing his best with an injury. Uh, Wimsat was completely out because of an injury. They didn't want to make it worse. So yeah. some some credit or however you want to phrase it can, can be pushed aside on that. But um, Purdue is a team that if, if you're really making strides, we're going to see it on Saturday. Yeah. I have nothing about their special teams. I'm sure there's some shit that I am overlooking or they probably have the best punter in the game or some field goal kicker that's can make one from 78 yards or some shit like that. But Here's what I've got on their special teams. They've got Charlie Jones, who's not done very much. No, he's much. a wide receiver. He is a wide receiver. <laughs> he doesn't kick field goals. Um, he returns punts for them. Oh. He's not He's not done a lot there, um, but still always a threat, right? A little back pocket yeah. threat for them. Um, Dion Burks, they've got a freshman kick returner who's averaging about 24 yards per kick return. Just so boot it, Frankie. Yeah, you just got to you know, get it out of the end zone. I know we're in, we're talking about Purdue. We didn't talk about Rutgers' strategy to kick to Chris Korlebeck the entire game. Oh, yeah, that was weird. That was weird. Yeah. And he handled it like a champ. He did great. Yeah, he had a great return. He did. He had like an 11-yard <laughs> <Yeah>. return. <laughs> he was juiced after it. Like, he was feeling good. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, Purdue. Uh, so, yeah, back to Purdue. Um, and then... Um, this is an opportunity for Nebraska to return some kicks. They've got a place kicker in Chris Van Ekren, who only puts it out of the end zone for a touchback 63% of the time. So nice. a little low on that. Um, and, and Nebraska can can do some some damage in the kick return game. They can gain a couple extra yards. Yeah, So and be nice to see. God knows we're going to need them. All, All right. the yards we can get. Every single one. They all count. Do you have a prediction for Purdue? Heck I think yeah, I, think, I do. I think you went first last time, so I'll go yeah. first okay. this time. Okay. Because mine's mine's very brief. Oh, mine's a fucking pager. Wow. Look at that. It With is. handwriting on it. Mine's a limerick. Okay. Oh God. <laughs> you sure you don't want to go last? Because <laughs> that's no. a closer right there. Okay. No, 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 no. All right. No, we'll get it out of the way. 
There once was a team named Purdue with confidence out the wazoo. But in came Mickey. Oh, man. I didn't rhyme this. <laughs> oh, no, I did. Wait, is this I, part of the poem? Yeah, hold on. Hold <laughs> the on. confusion is, okay. All right. I just, I did, I did rhyme this. Okay. Do you want to start? I, it? I did the wrong emphasis on my syllables. Oh, okay. Okay. Is Mick, are you going to no. rhyme Mick? No, no. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Okay. There right. once was a team named Purdue with confidence out the wazoo. But in came Mickey, his Huskers winning by three. Now that confidence smells more like poo. <laughs> Nebraska 27, Purdue 24. Nice. Yeah. All right. I I worked real hard on that, clearly. Poetry. No, I did. Rhyming I did, like, poo like a four-year-old. One, two, three, four. Five. I made like five edits as I was working on that. Okay, I see I see this one. Yeah. And I had, I had written down some some thoughts on real that. fucking wordsworth over here yeah oh i didn't even read the fucking just the facts for those who don't know the game's on saturday the 15th <laughs> not a friday no uh 6 30 p.m big 10 network purdue jeff brahm is their head coach 32 and 31 in six seasons nebraska's led by mickey joseph if you don't know that by now why are you listening joseph's two and one better nebraska, w- better winning percentage than jeff brahm yeah just saying. yeah yeah absolutely six 666.666 yeah seven you know, Seven the, rounds up. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Nebraska and Purdue will meet for the 11th time on Saturday with the series knotted up 5-5, five, five, so it's a rubber match. Ooh. Sorry. All right, there All you go. Right, that's cool. Let's hear it. Oh, also, and also, Purdue opened as 13.5-point favorites, Ooh, which is a um, big fucking number. It is a big number. And surprising um, to me. Is it? It was because I think I, know I was expecting like 20 and a half. What? Yeah, I was expecting a real no, big number. No, and see, and here's why. is because Purdue, again, they find they find ways to they make mistakes like left and right like they they get penalized they have the turnovers um they overcome them yeah but i think you still have to like you have but, to hedge it a little bit you know what i mean like like at some point the, but there's always could a come back to there's always a the game ass. or two under brahm where purdue looks like a world beater and and so like i don't know this is nebraska this, though does it have to be against us can it be against i mean it's usually against Ohio Iowa? state or Iowa. Yeah, it's usually against someone like that. Ow. Yeah. Fuck. I just like snapped my <laughs> finger on something. I think the mic picked that up. Um, Not safe. Yeah. All yeah, right. I, 13 and a half. Yeah, that's just... That's. I, I just feel like it's going to... I feel like it's going to be... I, I don't know who's going to win, but I feel like it's going to be closer than that. Well, I think it's going to be 27-24. Yeah. So you're going to bet on Nebraska, huh? Oh, my life savings. All of it. Yep. 12 cents. All right, here we go. Nebraska and Purdue have a lot in common these days. Nebraska just won back-to-back conference games for the first time since 2018. Purdue just won back-to-back road games for the first time since 2018. Nebraska has a quarterback slinging the ball with nearly 1,500 yards at a 66% completion. Purdue has a quarterback slinging the ball with just over 1,500 yards at 66% completion. Including sacks, Nebraska averages 3.9 yards per play on the ground, while Purdue averages the same. Nebraska and Purdue both feature an Iowa wide receiver rescue and rehabilitation program. This year, those receivers who transferred into these two programs from Iowa have combined for 887 yards on 79 receptions for a total of eight touchdowns, while wide receivers currently on Iowa's roster have 392 yards on 34 receptions and a total of one touchdown. They, and they're retaining their O.C., both teams are coming off of tightly contested conference wins on the East Coast, in which they did seemingly everything they could 
uh, to give away that victory. While most people will consider Purdue as heavy favorites at home against a still highly suspect Cornhusker crew employing an offensive line that is holier than Christ himself, I personally am unable or unwilling to see much difference between the two teams. When teams are this evenly matched, you have to dig deep to find the one thing that separates them, and here it is. Purdue will be doing everything in its power to lose this game. In fact, Purdue wants to lose this game if they have any hope for the rest of their season. Northwestern, Georgia Southern, and Oklahoma are a combined 1-11 since beating Nebraska. In those 11 losses, they've been outscored by opponents 393-217 to with losses to programs such as Southern Illinois, Georgia State, UAB, Miami of Ohio, and a recent 49-0 shutout uh, by the hands of Texas over the Sooners this past Saturday. So with the short traveling... With a shot at traveling to Indiana in December very much on the table, Jeff Brom does not want this juju in West Lafayette. Assuming the Boilermakers do not make a formal notice of forfeiture and go through with the shroud of playing this game, expect them to make it look close to appease the viewers, not privy to Brom's master plan. No need to worry during this one, Husker Nation. Nebraska makes it three in a row with a very comfortable, stress-free, never-in-doubt 24-23 victory. Oh, my God. I can't (laughs) handle another one. Well, I guess I did a one-score win, but I cannot handle another one point. Yeah. I would gladly handle a one-point win over Purdue. I mean, I'll take it. I will take it. I'll do it. You'll take it and you'll like it. Just can't. You know, that prediction's great for a a host of reasons, but any opportunity to shit on Iowa is is my favorite opportunity. I'll take all opportunities to do that. Oh, my gosh. I was... I so I thought about that. I was looking at um, Charlie Jones' numbers, and I was like, "Man, this guy's fucking tearing it up." And then Tyrone, uh, I can't remember his name. Tyrone something. I could, he he plays for Purdue too, and he's doing okay. Um, and then obviously we have Oliver Martin, who's who's fine. He's had some big play moments. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I wonder, like, wonder what Iowa's receivers are doing. So Nebraska and Purdue have three former receivers with all those stats. Iowa only has five receivers with a reception on the year. Total, like Ooh. five different dudes. Um, Oliver Martin would rank third, I think, on their team in ter- terms of receptions and total yardage. Yeah. And so it was one of those things where, like, man, wouldn't it be funny if, like, we just blew him out of the water, um, you know, on, on those numbers? But I was like, but probably not. I bet they've got somebody. No. 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 Fucking no. nothing. No. And the whole time I'm calculating, I'm like, this is fucking hilarious. I will take every opportunity to shit on Iowa. Fuck that team. Yeah, all I can say is just protect Brian Ferentz at all costs. Yes. Keep him at <laughs> Iowa as long as possible. And part of our part of our uh, booster funds are just going to yeah. retaining Ferentz. Yeah, yeah, I would donate to that cause. Yeah, absolutely. At the beginning of the season, when we were doing our previews, I think we talked about the uh, the change.org um, sign, like the the whatever they call it. Petition, petition to yeah. remove him as head coach yeah that has significantly gone up in signatures it's getting very <laughs> close to 7500 um which at 7500 the letter gets sent to the administrative staff at iowa oh hell yeah <laughs> and then uh, people are also posting about the nepotism clause. i know this is about mm. purdue this episode's about purdue but brian ferentz deserves this um <laughs> There's a nepotism law at Iowa, and so in order for Brian Ferentz to hold the position he has under Kirk Ferentz, he actually doesn't report to Kirk. He reports to the AD, and so the AD is the one in charge of Brian Ferentz in a sense. It, it's just this this mess. Wow. So that means that the AD is the one retaining him. What it, if what if Kirk wants him fired? 
what if he's like fire him well, and the AD's I, like I don't know. So so Kirk hired him. Kirk, okay. Kirk brought his son on to be the offensive coordinator uh-huh. on the most powerful offense in the land. I think they're literally <laughs> last in like yards per game and shit. Like they're 131st out of 131 teams. Oh, it's that's great. Yeah, it's so bad, and I I'm here for it every fucking Saturday. Yeah. So any any Purdue prediction that can include shitting on Iowa is all right by Ooh. me. Yeah, but honest to God, this I will be. I will be over the moon if we win this game. Oh, I yeah. truly will be, and that, and that is a that is a, that's as much a credit to Purdue as it is just a recognition of where where Nebraska is right now. Like, yes, we have won a couple of games, but it it's been just ugly enough, and it's been ugly enough in key areas where it's like that's not those aren't those things aren't going to go away. We're going to have right. to continue to find ways to make up for it, and we can do that on occasion, but we won't be able to do it every day. Yeah. So. Um, this should be, hopefully it'll be closer than Vegas thinks. Hopefully? Yeah. Well, Drew, grab your outline, Mr. Organized. Oh, shit. Why do I keep shuffling it? Like, I should just put them in order. Okay, I'm Speaking here. of Vegas, you're like a dealer out there. <laughs> just shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Little Monte Carlo here with my notes. All right. Send I'm re- us home. I'm ready to go. All right, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned in to this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget, uh, it still exists. You can call into the Wannabe Talk-Ons hotline with your post-game reactions. I know there's plenty of opportunities everywhere else to call in, uh, but, uh, but you know, tell your friends you are on a podcast. You can dial 402-427-0258. Leave us a message. We will listen to it on the show. Truth be told, I don't even tell my friends I'm on a podcast, (laughs) so I get it. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer, especially this month, wherever you are. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Join us next week as we do it all over again. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. (laughs) 